This is episode 78 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Making a Good Plan, Get Out of Dodge, an interview with Prepper Ralph from PrepperRalph.com, and the eight most likely disaster scenarios countdown number one cyber attack. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, like I mentioned yesterday, the, the giveaway ended. And so the winner of the 183 serving mega sample pack from, uh, from Legacy Foods is Heidi F. So Heidi, I sent you an email this morning. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you have not responded yet. And so uh, hopefully you do here pretty soon so I can go ahead and pass on your information to Legacy Foods so they can send out this mega sample pack. Uh, I'm going to wait a week. If I don't hear from you, I'm going to tell Rafflecopter to give me another winner so I can announce it. So you've got a week, Heidi, to, uh, to get back to me. Hey guys, yesterday, or not yesterday, last week, on the interview, uh, we did an interview with Greg Carter, uh, if you remember that one. Uh, if you didn't, you ought to go back and listen to that. You know, Greg's got this, uh, 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 has this, this great voice. I mean, you just kind of want to sit down and just kind of hang with him and uh, drink some coffee and talk about preparedness with him. But uh, he talked a little bit about, you know, maybe a Kickstarter, and he did kick that off. Uh, he did send me an email and said, hey, I'd, I started it. I, I was happy to be the first one to go ahead and uh, to buy the, the biggest or to support it. And so, uh, you know, the, the highest level is $25. So it's not that, you know, that much to support it. But you have, uh, you'll get the, uh, you know, all the PDFs that he's making, all the information. Uh, he sent me a, a couple of samples that I thought were really, really good. And uh, so I think it's well worth it, the $25. I think at, in the end, he's going to have 50 PDFs. Uh, and with these PDFs, he's giving you pictures, he's giving you where to find it, he's giving you information about it, he's giving you like recipes and how to use it. And so uh, I think it's very valuable uh, to, to have something like that. So uh, I am going to link to his Kickstarter page on um, episode 78 so you can go check it out. He's got a little video there, he's got some information on what he's, uh, what he's doing and uh, all those kinds of things. Uh, he's only looking to uh, to back $350. And so he's at $75 already. Uh, he's only been going at it for three days. So, uh, you know, uh, I want to go ahead and get that information out there. So if you want to back that up, uh, you know, you, you go check that out. And uh, again, like, you know, all his YouTube videos and stuff like that. So I'm going to go ahead and, and do that and uh, link to all that. Hey, uh, right before I got started, I got an email from Tim, and uh, just actually I, I received a couple of uh, just responses, feedback today, uh, just about the podcast and people being appreciative, uh, and I uh, really, really appreciate that. So, uh, like I said, this one was from uh, this email was from Tim on the Facebook page. John dropped me a, a, a nice word. Really, I really appreciate that because sometimes you just kind of wonder. You know, hey, I'm getting out there. I know the analytics. I can see that. I can see that there are a lot of subscribers. I, I do appreciate that. But it, it feels good that, you know, someone connects with you and says, hey, keep up the good work. So Tim also mentioned that he's in Houston. And uh, so uh, I was kind of thinking, I was, I thought about it a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, that's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, there might not be any any other listeners, you know, in the Houston area. But uh 
I, I think I think I mentioned it not too long ago where I can see the states uh, where the, the most listeners are. And so the most was California, but like like one or two right behind that. I haven't checked it recently uh, was Texas. And so if you happen, I'm thinking uh, I have a couple of weeks or at the end of uh, June, at the beginning of July, I have some time off of work, you know, I work in education, and so I was thinking maybe if some of you guys are interested, maybe just getting a little meet-up together and just kind of meeting up. I, I think uh, a good place, uh, when I've met some guys before for like a Bible study, was always like Spring Creek Barbecue. Uh, those of you that are in the Houston area or Texas, I mean, you, you, you're familiar with that. Um, they're a good company. Uh, they do a lot of good support. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, they have big tables and you can kind of go and, and kind of hang out. And even if it wasn't a big group, I mean, even if, if it was just three or four of us, you know, one evening, like seven o'clock, eight o'clock, go get some barbecue and just kind of hang out for a little bit, uh, might do that. So uh, if you're in the Houston area, you know, you drop me a little line, but uh, also announce it a little bit later on. I think that'll be good. It's always good just to kind of hang out with people and talk preparedness because you don't always do that. Preparedness is a lonely, is a, is a lonely, um, I guess lifestyle. Uh, I don't want to say hobby. It is a hobby for some people, but some it's a it's a lifestyle. So unless you are purposeful in making those connections, uh, you know you're out there by yourself, and all you're doing is commenting on on you know websites and people that you know on Facebook, and uh, but not a lot of like interaction one on one. So um, we'll get that out there. I mean, I've got a great podcast today because we got that interview with Prepper Ralph. You know, Ralph is a is new to. Uh, not necessarily new to preparedness, but new to websites and and getting his content out there. So I'm very happy to go ahead and you know do this interview with him and, and get his information out there. He's coming from the perspective of EM, EMT, uh, but I uh, have a good one from Prepper Journal and then one from Sarge. Actually, the one from Sarge really kind of uh, really got me thinking. I'll, I'll go into it. I'm already kind of jumping the gun here. I'm a little excited. But in honor of Sarge, I went ahead and brewed me up a cup, a cup of coffee. So I'm drinking that as I uh, as I'm going to go ahead and read this one or read these uh, these articles today. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, kind of blowing a lot of steam out there and uh, you know wasting a lot of time. Let's go ahead and get going on this one. All right, making a good plan or get out of dodge at thepreparejournal.com. Basically, a good plan is life's plan B. Plan A is what we are currently living. We live in society that pretty much provides for all of our basic needs and then some. Plan A is where the electric is always on, clean water comes out of the faucet. When you dial 911, someone shows up to help you. Plan A is where babies are born in hospitals, our kids are educated in schools to prepare them for employment, where adults working at jobs to receive monetary compensation so they can exchange it for things they need and want. Plan A is where some people get married, have kids, enjoy comfortable retirement, and then die. Plan A is commonly referred to as the center holds. We live a life of electricity, gas for our cars, food available nearly everywhere, and a government that provides a degree of law and order in response to most emergency that may befall us. Hey, okay, let me, I was going to say this at the beginning, I didn't say this. Uh, so this, this article does have some grammatical errors. Someone in the comments uh, did refer to that, so I, I might stumble a little bit as I, I'm going to try to self-correct as, as I'm going along. Uh, 
but yeah, someone in the comments is like, yeah, you need to go check spell check. I couldn't even, you know, concentrate on the on the article. I understand that, you know, uh, you know, having trouble because sometimes when I do read, I'm like, I'm noticing errors and stuff. I notice it. I hate when I notice it in my own writings when I go later on down the road and I reread something. I hate that. Uh, but don't. I don't want the. You know, somebody made the comment. You know, don't let the information that's said here get lost on you. And I think it's important because there's some things that I think are like, woo, you know, out there, uh, out there. And there's some stuff that's good that you really need to be thinking about. So you know, we're keeping a balanced approach here. Approach here. But uh, just to let you know, you know, don't don't let the. You know, sometimes you get really excited. And uh, you just start typing away, and sometimes you do, you know, when you write something, you do miss it because you're not, you're not, um, when you're reading it, you're reading it like the way that you wrote, or, or like you wrote it, right, or like the way you think you wrote it. And uh, you know, somebody said you should get people to proofread it. Well, a lot of the times when you're writing articles and stuff like that, you know, a web a webmaster doesn't. Now this one wasn't, uh, this one was, uh, is a guest post. Uh, but you know, regardless, so I don't want to lose the, uh, you know, the meaning and the information, uh, behind this article because I think it's good. I really like this one. All right. So continuing on, most of us are on board with plan A, but what if plan A fails? What if the center doesn't hold? What if events beyond your control fall upon you and change all you know and expect from life? Do you have a plan B? What if you find that you can no longer stay in your current home due to lack of power, water, and food? What if your neighbor is no longer safe, neighborhood is no longer safe, and you have to leave to get out of Dodge? Where would you go? How would you get there? How would you have once, or I'm sorry, how would you live once you got there? What is your plan B? The primary purpose of this document is to get you thinking about plan B and to provide a very basic understanding of things to consider if you decide to develop a plan B. As with plan A, you lay out, you, you lay out goals and acquire resources that will support your plan A goals. Same with plan B. You develop goals, then start acquiring resources. The purpose of a good plan is to get you and your family to a place of safety and survival before SHTF. Your plan needs to be executable and based in reality. A good, good plan will answer these three questions. Where are you going? When do you leave? What are you taking? Finally, you need to communicate your good plan with your family. It doesn't help to have a plan if no one's aware of it. So where are you going? A good plan assumes that you will be leaving your current normal place of residence for a survival retreat. However, if you currently live in a place that meets the basic requirements of a survival retreat, then there is no reason to leave. A survival retreat is a predetermined place that you would be living at for at least a year. By predetermined, I mean that you know where the place is, you know how to get there, and if you don't own it, then you are expected by the owner or have their permission to stay. The basic first requirements for a retreat is no different from any piece of real estate. It all starts with location. A retreat that is remote and off the beaten path is preferred over one that is in or next to populated areas. Your retreat needs to be defendable. It needs to have access to fresh water and a fuel energy source. Fresh water can come from rivers, streams, lakes, or rainfall. A retreat fuel energy source is either one that you have stockpiled like gasoline or diesel fuels or ones that you have developed like wind, solar, and or hydro. Additionally, there are natural energy sources like trees and coal that can be harvested and burned. 
Consideration should be given as to how the retreat will support your family. Is it large enough? If you plan to grow food, is land sustainable for gardening? Can you protect the food you grow from wildlife? As to defending a retreat, the best ones don't need defending, meaning its location is such that access is difficult or well concealed. The goal is to be able to fend off a small band of four to six attackers. What is the most likely avenue of attack? What can you do to neutralize that avenue? For attacks by groups larger than six, you need to have a means of escape. The escape route needs to be concealed and will get you and your family out of harm's way. After consideration, uh, after considering your route of travel to the retreat, ideally you will be leaving before there are roadblocks. But in case you don't and the primary route is blocked, you need to have a secondary route. Neither route should depend on things like ferries or airplanes. Both routes should be one that if needed you could walk. Other things to consider when selecting a retreat. What is its condition? Are repairs needed? Does it have a means of heating and cooking without electric or gas? Is it physically large enough to support your family? If you, d if you don't live there full time uh, and you stockpile resources, can it be secure? Ideally, you have stockpiled enough food, water, and other survival gears at your retreat that will support your group through at least the first year. This will give, give you time to establish a means of additional food source like a garden, bartering, or developing your hunting and fishing skills. An eye-opening exercise is to make a list of all the things you would need for you and your family to survive for a year without being restocked, access to support systems like medical services, and no power, running water, or sewage services. How much food would you, would you need? How about clothing, medical supplies, weapons, and ammo? What knowledge or skill would you need? Once you have the list, cross off all the items you currently have. I think you will find that other than a camp stove and sleeping bags and some clothing, you are, you are in need of a lot of stuff. When do you leave? In developing a good plan, there are two terms that need, defined, need to be defined and given consideration that help in determine when to get out of Dodge. The first term is tipping point. A tipping point is a moment in time that due to a series of events or one major event, the odds of society collapsing and going off the deep end are the same odds as the center holding and life pretty much continues as it has. Otherwise, a moment when things could go either way. Pandemics, economic collapse, and national-wide civil unrest are the events that would lead to a tipping point. A collapse of society is better known to preppers as Tiatwaki, the end of the world as we know it. While Tiatwaki indicates once things go to hell, uh, they stay that way forever, I believe that after a period of time, things will return to a more civilized, normal way of life. The challenge will be to survive till it does. This leads to two questions. How bad will it get? And how long will it last? The theory is the worse things get, the longer it lasts. The longer it lasts, the worse things will get. The second term is tripwire event, or TWE. This is an event or events that when it happens tells you, you it's time to good. The term tripwire comes from a, the practice of stringing a wire around your camp about four inches off the ground. The wire is connected to a device that can warn you that an intruder is attempting to enter your camp. A TWE is a warning that in the near future stuff is going to happen or going to hit the fan. The challenge with TWE is that different events that would result in Tiatwaki would have different tripwires. For example, a TWE for a pandemic is different from those from an economic collapse. 
though a major pandemic would or could cause an economic collapse. If you would wait to good till the economic collapse, you're leaving too late. TWEs are also flexible and always being reevaluated. Another challenge with TWEs is selecting ones that when they happen, there is enough time to allow you to good before Tiatwaki. Like a tripwire around your campsite, too close to the camp and there's no time to react. A TWE needs to be before the SHTF, meaning before the electrical power is off, before the grocery stores are out of food, before all the gas stations are closed, before police and firefighters stop showing up for work, before there are roadblocks, either those set up by the government or the ones set up by morons with guns. Also, when considering TWE, you don't want ones that are not so far in advance of the SHTF that you good before it's necessary. The same is true for a campsite tripwire. Too far away can have you reacting to something that was not really a threat. Staying put till the right time to good will allow you to continue gathering supplies. In putting together a good plan, you can categorize Tiatwaki events into one of two types, considered events and non-considered events. A considered event is one that could happen and you can prepare for it. A non-considered event is one that is damn near impossible to happen, or if it does, no amount of prepping will save you. Below are considered events that I believe warrant the execution of our good plan. Okay, so before I read those, I'm going to take a drink of coffee. All right, in honor of Sarge, of course. Power grid down. There are three main power grids in this country, eastern, western, and Texas. All are susceptible to hacking or physical sabotage. The loss of one grid would have a direct impact on the other two. Experts estimate that if the grid is taken down by a hacker, it could take months to a year to get the system back up. Experts also say that it's not a matter of if the grid is hacked, but more of when it's hacked. Economic collapse. This event will have plenty of warnings, but when it happens, it will hit hard and fast. The impact will push many people over the edge. Don't wait too long to good. Another challenge in this event will be to have a stockpiled resource that will have or stockpiled resources that will have value after the collapse that you can use to barter with for things you don't have but need to survive. Pandemic. Pandemic is basically an outbreak of a disease that is highly contagious, deadly, and widespread. It could start in any part of the world. The primary goal will be goal will be to get away from the areas of large populations, or if you can't get away, have a means to isolate yourself from those who are infected. Civil unrest. This event will undoubtedly happen during a pandemic and economic, economic collapse, but there is a long list of other events that could result in widespread civil unrest. The primary challenge will be security, protecting your family and resources. The following are non-considered events that I have no intention of planning for. Global thermonuclear war. This would not include a single, single nuclear attack by a terrorist. An attack invasion by aliens from outer space. A plague that results in people who die becoming flesh-eating zombies. The Earth being sucked into a black hole. And the Earth being hit by a planet-killing asteroid or an Ellie extension-level event. What are you taking? Question mark. Ideally, you have stockpile resources at your retreat and the items you're taking are minimal. For the most part, you will need damn near everything you didn't stockpile. Your good plan should list out what you're taking. The recommendation is to pack based on priorities of security first, weapons and ammo, 
first aid medical, then all the non-perishable foods you have in your home. Any camping gear you have, any type of fuel, and if you have one, take your generator. If space allows, load up clothing, linen, how-to book, tools, and any items that might be used for barter. My recommendation is bring the dog but leave the cat unless you are willing to eat the cat. Uh, so I don't agree with the... Uh, the the order i think you need to have all that stuff i don't agree with the order and, and i want to say i don't agree with leaving the cat i don't like personally i don't like cats myself uh but if uh in, and i have family members who are allergic to cats uh, but if we lived out in the country uh, i always say that i would want a cat because cats eat uh rats and they'll go ahead and make sure you know that kind of stuff is taken care of around your uh, your your home, and so that's why I would want a cat if uh, if I was out there living in the country and and at the retreat. All right, so what to expect if SHTF? Besides for being pre prepped with survival supplies and resources, you need to also prep your mind. You need to be mentally prepared for the weeks and months ahead. Prepare to make tough decisions, decisions that may and can mean the difference between life and death. So what can you expect? If you think about it, about a week or so after SHTF, there's a good chance basic services like police, fire, and medical responses will be gone or greatly decreased. Once power is off for the entire area for more than three days, there's a good chance things are only going to go from bad to worse. If you turn on a portable TV or radio and the only broadcast is emergency information messages telling you to stay at home and wait further orders or tell you where the nearest FEMA camp is located, you can't bet the economy is near to or in the process of collapsing. I'm sorry, I said you can bet that you can bet the economy is near to or in the process of collapsing. Once the economy has collapsed, the only person still working will be mostly the first responders and the military, and they will stop showing up once they sense that their families are at risk. Once that happens, there goes the last means of public security. Hopefully, before any of this happens, you and your family will be at, sur at a survival retreat, regardless where you are, and you will be on your own. Without securing items like food, water, and protection, will be mostly gone. If there is no public security, people will stop showing up for work and stay home to protect their family. There will be hard times in the first weeks and months. Due to the lack of resources like food, drinking water, medical support, and electricity, there will be a lot of people dying. The first to go will be the physically impaired, people, people that cannot fend for themselves or cannot move under their own power, people who depend on regular medications to stay alive. Nearly all these people will be dead in the first week or less. The next group to go will be the poor. With little or no resources to start with, most will hold out in their homes and apartments waiting, hoping that someone is coming to help them. Prior to a total collapse, some of the poor and unprepared will be helped by the government in being relocated to a FEMA camp. These camps will offer food, shelter, and security until the military collapses. At that point, the thing will, things will fall into chaos as it did at the Superdome during Katrina. The camp will collapse into a dog-eat-dog -dog environment. It will be brutal and deadly. In my opinion, these camps are to be avoided at all costs. Okay, so that scenario right there, or that paragraph, we really never, there's no way of knowing what exactly is going to happen. There's no way of knowing how it's all going to break down. 
you know, I know that there's some list here, like, you know, this is going to happen, this could happen. Uh, but we've never experienced that before in the, in the United States. So, uh, you know, we, we can just kind of have a form an opinion, have an idea of what possibly could happen, uh, depending on how bad it is and what, uh, what's out there. I would say would determine on how bad things uh, you know start to break down. If the power completely goes out, I think things would break down pretty quickly. Uh, if it's just you know uh, the stock market crashing and the economy crashing, I think you will have days, uh, a couple of days, to uh, to see what's going on and to uh, start making moves. Hopefully, those of you that are prepped, you see big things like that happening. You are making your move within that first or second day. All right, so continuing on. As to the healthy but unprepared, a number of them will be injured or killed trying to find a means of survival or escape the cities. Without medical attention, the injured will succumb to their wounds and injuries. In an SHTF world, if you are not prepared, a broken arm or leg, a laceration that is allowed to become infected can kill you. The unprepared people who last the longest will and can pose the biggest threat by forming into predatory gangs. These gangs will be armed, mobile, and lethal. They will do whatever they want to secure food and resources. As they consume the resources in an area, they will move on to other areas of opportunity. Some will travel by vehicle once they figure out how to connect a generator up to a gas pump. Ours will move on foot. The leaders of these gangs will move and likely have the leaders of these gangs will more than, like, more than likely have been criminals prior to SHTF or maybe military training or both. Due to being forced to live off the land, these gangs will be likely, will likely to be mostly male and consist of less than 20 people. There are two options for dealing with these gangs. The first and best option is to avoid contact, stay concealed and under the radar. The second is to attack and to kill them before they attack and kill you. My guess is that most of these groups will relocate to parts of the country where the climate is mild year-round. Um, I think these these if there were groups starting out, I think they would uh, be they would stay in one area until they exhausted all the resources and then move to the next. Uh, that's what I think that would happen, but that's just my opinion. Uh, last paragraph here. In a long-term survival situation, there are lots of areas you will have to be mentally prepared for. Of all of them, death will be the most challenging. Death, death of a loved one or a vital member of the group can leave you mentally vulnerable and weak. Your challenge will be to mourn but not let the event push you into feeling, feelings of hopelessness. Every member of your group needs to be physically and mentally strong. The way to strengthen your body is through exercise. The same is true for the mind. Your group will need to hold regular meetings to discuss events that can happen. This will help to prepare the group mentally for impactful events. Discussing responses to events and making a plan will help to prevent confusion and inaction if the event occurs. And I would say it's important to have uh, those of you who, you know, you know I'm, a, I'm a minister. I would say the spiritual side of that is, uh, is going to be very important as well because uh, uh, you need to have hope and uh, know that uh, God... Uh, ultimately, in the end, uh, you know, God is there and things uh, for the Christian will work out. Um, so I think this is a, a, a great article, a lot of good information here. I really like the way that he started the article out, article out with, you know, the, the plan A, the center holds, um, the idea, the concept of the tipping point. I mean, I don't agree with everything on, you know, in the article. And I, there's usually, I don't agree with every article 
uh, everything in every article, uh, especially that I post on Prepper website. Sometimes I think it's good, and I, I think we need to be, you know, when we read them and stuff like that, we need to be able to uh, to look at them and to come up with our own ideas and 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 uh, you know critically think on our own, right? Um, but I love that that idea of the tipping point where everything is is um, everything is good. Um, but you get to a point where it can very easily, where society or wherever <clears throat> wherever we are, can tip one way or the other, depending on the way things go. And so, you know, as preppers, we want to make sure that we're paying attention out there and and keeping track of of uh, what's going on in the world, what's going on in in our in our lives. Uh, sometimes that's really hard to do, and sometimes I know uh, I've been at a conference all day today. And uh, one of the presenters was, uh, I, I know them, and I uh, was talking to them before, and was uh, letting she was letting me know that she did away with all of her local channels because she couldn't deal with all the negativity because she would watch it for like weather and things like that, but then she would get sucked into all the negative things that are going on in the world. And I didn't want to go into, you know, you, you want to be aware of what's going on. You don't want to be caught off guard. But some people just can't handle that. You know, they, they start looking at those kinds of things and they get uh, they get really anxious and stuff. But I, you know, that's for me, that's one thing that I'm trying to always stay aware of what's going on. Not uh, as an anxious, uh, you know, thing and, hey, you know, um, uh, the world's going to end or whatever. But it's just so that uh, I know what's going on so that I can make the best decisions for myself and for my family so I like that idea there if you have uh, again if you're living in your survival retreat you know you're good uh, if you're in the city and uh, you know hopefully you have family members somewhere else you know we're out in the country if you have that uh, you have a farm out in the you know country place whatever that you could go to uh, hopefully you know that would be something that uh, that you could do if a situation like this arose um, but, uh, you know, if not be thinking about, well, you know, what would you do? You definitely would need resources. Uh, you know, you definitely would need, uh, food and, and ways to defend yourself and all those kinds of things. I think it would be, if it's, if it is a matter of staying in your home where you have your materials and all your resources, or whether it's, you're having to leave with just what you have on, you know, uh, a backpack, a bug out bag, and that's it. You know, and you're never planning on coming back. I, I don't think that's there. That's not a choice. You know, uh, I, I've said it before that if for whatever reason things happen so fast that everyone was caught off guard and uh, you know you couldn't get out or whatever happened, that I would be mobilizing my community. I would be getting everybody together and saying, "Hey, we're going to meet over here. You know, on the corner." Uh, you know, in in an hour, you know, come over here so we can talk about what's going on, and uh, you know, I've got I've got some news or or whatever, you know, get people's interest up so that they go over, and so you can start saying, you know, letting them know, hey, this is what's going on, this is what we can expect, this is where, you know, and so that's like an article that probably needs to be uh, written. I actually started. Uh, to write an article based on that a while back and just never really got around to finishing it. Maybe I need to start doing that or maybe somebody else will catch on and, and uh, we'll write something on that. But that's what I would be doing if I got caught and uh, you know had to had to defend in our neighborhood. All right, so moving on, we're at um, the because it's Wednesday, the Wednesday podcast. We try to do an interview, um, you know, every single every single Wednesday. There's times where it's just 
where my week has gotten really crazy and I haven't been able to line up an interview. Uh, but I do have an interview this week uh, with Prepper Ralph. And like I said before, he's uh, not necessarily new to preparedness, but uh, his website is new. Uh, we haven't linked to a lot of it over at, at uh, Prepper website, but we have linked to some of his articles. So uh, it's PrepperRalph.com. He talks about some of his articles here, and uh, but he didn't link to them. So I'm going to go find them, and I'll link to them in the in the episode 78 show notes and uh so let's go ahead and get going on this one so tell us a little bit about yourself and your preparedness please include why you started prepping well i'm prepper ralph and currently 29 years old i grew up here in the carolinas hunting and fishing the woods and lakes i currently work as an emt and have been at it now almost eight years eight years in the field. I was a scout as a kid and later a fire explorer in the local 4-H. One thing led to another and here I am. I like to think that all all of those past experiences and finally my job led me to become heavily involved in preparedness. It's a different point of view when you are working as a first responder heading to calls where someone with just a few simple supplies or precautions could have prevented disaster. With that viewpoint, it wasn't long until I made the decision to not just be another victim. So I want to point out, being 29 years old, he's on uh, he's the minority in preparedness. I've talked a little bit about demographics before. Uh, like I said, he's on uh, he's he's young. Uh, I mean, he's not like a you know like a teenager or anything, but he is a young man. Uh, when you consider that a lot of preppers, the demographics are uh, a lot older. You know, in the 50s and 60s is a good majority out there. Uh, we might be getting a little younger, uh, maybe, uh, but uh, that's that was my demographic research that I did probably about two two and a half years ago. All right, continuing on. Uh, so anyway, uh, bravo for that, uh, Ralph, you know, the fact that you're young and uh, realize that preparedness is important. Uh, continuing on, what are your main preparedness concerns? What are you prepping for? For me, I'd say that it's, it's the everyday stuff. The final push into my current field happened after being laid off repeatedly back when I worked as a plumber pipe fitter. Ten years ago, the economy really started to go into that downward, da- downward spiral we now, now know as the recession. Having to sell your stuff to make bills makes you think about the what-ifs in life. Currently, I'm preparing for economic collapse, storms, civil unrest, and any other everyday disasters that may hit on a personal level. Has your preparedness changed over the years and why? I wouldn't say so much that my preparedness has changed as much as my philosophy on the methods changed. I went from guns and ammo being the primary driving point to seeing the bigger picture. All the ammunition in the world won't help you if you can't find game to hunt and your garden dried out due to drought. I started adding food and lots of it. Then came medical. Finally, I realized that all the stuff would go away and I would have to find a better way to maintain survivability. I focus a lot now on skills and knowledge. Hunting and fishing is great, but a person can't survive off of just that. You need to know edible plants and which ones can be used in medicine. Hey, that's just kind of bouncing off of uh, Greg Carter's Kickstarter there. All right, continuing on. Tell us about your website, podcast, or YouTube channel. What is your main focus? Sure, my website is pretty easy to remember. I'm Prepper Ralph, and you can find me at PrepperRalph.com. It's a fairly new site, and it's just moving into its second month. I've just updated the theme to what I hope will be more, a more user-friendly layout. 
Everything else is easy to find under the same name from Twitter to Google+. Even my YouTube channel bears that same name. If you want to email me, shoot, shoot a message to PrepperRalph at gmail.com. With all of this, I focus on patriot-minded preparedness from an EMT's point of view. That's actually the tagline to my content everywhere you find me. Do you have any upcoming projects that listeners might be interested in? Well, I've got some cool stuff going on. My brother and I have been working on an old 86 Ford F-150 with a 300 inline 6. We are designing it to be EMP resistant, but gray man style. I'd prefer this truck to be just another old incognito pickup that no one would pay attention to while still being fully capable during disaster. The trick is that it's two-wheel drive, so all of these challenges are being met head-on. I'm also working on a new rifle build using a Weatherby Mark V as the base rifle. That should prove to be interesting since it was mislabeled at a pawn shop find and marked as a Vanguard. Will you give us two to three examples of your work that you'd like to share with our listeners? I like to focus on the beginning prepper a lot because there's so much misinformation out there. Folks think you have to have this particular gun or that specific multi-tool. Those types of opinions just aren't correct in my mind, especially for those that are on a budget like I am. With that in mind, I have an article on an emergency bug-out bag that is meant to be expanded upon to fit the new prepper's specific needs. I cleared up a lot of just wrong info on snake environments in my snake bite article, especially geared towards the new gun buyer in my first gun article. Keep in mind, however, that all of this is done in my personal experience and opinions. Like I said before at the beginning, I will go ahead and find those and link to those. What would you like to say to the Prepper Website Podcast listeners? I would, I would just say to keep your eyes open and ears tuned to the events going on around you. Situational awareness, common sense, and preparedness can and will keep you and your family safe and ready for all of life's unexpected turns. Todd runs a great site that lists all the top prepper sites on the net, which is a wealth of information. I hope that you all will come by and see my page and what I'm about. I approach preparedness with the mindset that there's more than one way to skin a rabbit, and no matter what, some is better than none. I'm thankful for all the friends and followers that keep up with me and that I have to say. That means the world to me. As I always tell folks, I'm just a regular Ralph, an everyday guy, just like the rest of you. Where can people find you, links, social media? I'm pretty easy, easily found. I admin several groups on Facebook. A quick search for Prepper Ralph will pop me up pretty quickly. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, and of course my website, PrepperRalph.com. If you have a request or question, shoot an email to PrepperRalph at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope everyone has a great day. All right, so uh, good good little interview there with uh, Prepper Ralph. Go check out his website, PrepperRalph.com. And I'd, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and link to all these social media accounts, and uh, if I find them all, and uh, also these articles that he's uh, provided so that you can go check those out. And, uh, you know, especially if you're a new prepper, you might be interested in some of those articles. All right, so thanks a lot, Prepper Ralph. Let's go on to the next one, and uh, man, I got to tell you. So I, at the beginning of the podcast, I started talking about this. I'm like, oh, let me pull back just a little bit, because uh, Sarge really got me thinking about this one. Um, uh, so we, like, like I said, in honor of him, I brewed up a cup of coffee. I'm going to take another sip. Um, so uh, 
the cyber attack. So, you know, the name of the article is the eight most likely disaster scenarios countdown. Number one, cyber attack. <clears throat> I've been thinking, you know, not too long ago, he wrote an article on, um, and I think I did it on the podcast, um, a, a, a small ham radio system that you can set up to. It's a little bit more powerful than a Baofeng. Uh, you know, I think Baofengs are like five to eight watts, depending on which one you get. This one, I think, was 50 watts. Um, but just thinking about having that after listening to or after reading this article and then uh, maybe just breaking down, like I said, I'm going to have the, the, you know, a week off, a couple of weeks off maybe, and um, maybe thinking about going and just breaking down and getting my ham radio license. I, I do not have time to get on, uh, you know, on the radio, on a ham radio and just, you know, talk with people, uh, you know, in the evening times. I don't have that, that kind of time, but uh, definitely wanting to be able to do it and uh, have a little bit more uh, understanding of it, I guess. Um, and, and uh, you know, while things are good, you know, be, you know, um, just in case things get bad. So I've uh, been thinking a lot about that after reading this article. So I might break down and do that this next time around. I, I you know, from what I hear in the articles that I have posted, getting your ham radio license now is super, super easy. And so uh, I might start working on that one. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Uh, this one might get you... Uh, Get you thinking as well. All right, so eight most likely disaster scenarios countdown. Number one, cyber attack. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. We have finally reached what I consider to be the single most likely man-made disaster, and that's a cyber attack on our electrical grid. In today's post, I'm going to give you a scenario and discuss what you can do now to be ready for when it happens. So grab a cup of coffee, my friend, and have a seat while we visit. I'm going to take another sip of coffee, all right? All right. One of the things that make a cyber attack so dangerous is that many people underestimate the chances of it happening and just how much damage it can cause. To put it in a nutshell, it could cripple the U.S. and cause the deaths of millions, both directly and indirectly. So let's take a look at today's scenario. Salman slowly looked around the room to be sure he was in fact alone in the server room where he worked. Before entering, he had pushed the security camera so that it faced the other side of the room so no one would see what he was up to. Reaching into his pocket and removing the small USB thumb drive and moving over to one of the giant server racks, he placed it into the port on the front of it. Pulling out a drawer on the front and revealing a small monitor and keyboard, he began to type CDE execute Allah's revenge.exe. Hitting the return button, the screen went blank and then returned to the login screen. Removing the thumb drive and closing the drawer, he turned and walked away with a smirk on his face. Now they'll get what's coming to them, he thought, as he closed the door to the server room. Salman was just one of many ISIS operatives who had been assigned the same task all over the U.S., each one designed to take down a different part of the U.S. electric grid, I'm sorry, electric, electrical system and major networks. Since the attacks in Europe and around the world, all major systems had been upgraded to use a new firewall system that virtually guaranteed no one would get through. This forced the need to physically access a server behind the firewall. Fortunately, however, over the past years, they had infiltrated the systems posing as coders and electrical engineers. This was the day that they all would strike as one, forcing the system to their knees. Paul was sitting at his kitchen table and talking to his wife when the light suddenly went out. Turning towards his wife, he casually asked if she had paid the electric bill this month. The morning light from outside filtered in through the kitchen window, allowing him to see the look on her face when he asked. Before he could move, his hat went flying across the table as his wife took a swipe at him. 
Yes, I did, and you damn well know it, she said with a mischievous grin on her face. Now get your butt up and go to work before I put you to work around here. Rising from the table, he leaned over and kissed her on the forehead, then turned and went out the door for work, humming a tune as he went. As she sat finishing her coffee, she wondered what had caused the light to go out. Getting up and placing her cup into the kitchen, she headed for the radio room, as they called it. It was a small room in the back of their home with a large desk and shelves lined with radios of different types. Paul was a ham radio operator and had talked her into getting her license as well. It was something they both enjoyed together. Thank God these run on 12-volt batteries, she thought to herself, reaching down and grabbing the make of one of the smaller VH, VHF radios. She keyed it and began to speak. KG5KRK, this is K5PCL. Are you there, Cindy? After a few moments, the radio came alive and a voice saying, this is KG5KRK. What's up, Sally? Our power went out a little while ago and I was wondering if yours was out as well. It sure is, came the reply. From what I'm hearing on the HF 20 meter band, it's out all over the nation. Some of the hams are calling it a terrorist attack, but I'm not sure how much I believe that right now. Okay, well, I need to go pick up a few groceries and get some gas for the car, and I thought I would swing by your place when I'm done, if that's okay. Sure, come on by, was the reply, but the power is still out. I doubt you will be getting any gas. Pause, she said. Hold on a minute. Jim just walked in. Let me see if he knows anything and I will call you back. As Sally turned and walked back into the kitchen, she noticed her husband, Paul's truck, pull back into the driveway. Walking outside to meet him, she asked, Why are you back so soon? I told you to go to work, she said with a grin. Power out at the plant too, so they, they sent us all home until it comes back on, Paul said with a frown. The gas station on the corner has a big sign stuck out front saying no gas and power outage special all ice cream on sale i would have to be on a diet she complained as she walked into the house cindy said the hams are cindy said the hams on hf are reporting that their power is out all over the nation cindy told me paul stopped dead in his tracks and looked at her in disbelief all over the nation you said that's what cindy said she replied thinking for a minute and then said there is only one way that could happen if everything else is working. It has to be a cyber attack on our electrical infrastructure, he exclaimed. Oh, this is bad, really bad, he thought as he continued into the house. Reaching the house, he turned to his wife and told her to fill up everything they had with water. With the power out, the water tower will soon be dry and then it will start getting ugly. Going over to the radio room, Paul sat down and turned his favorite HF radio on and began to scan the frequencies for any information he could find. Stopping on one frequency, he could hear two men talking about the explosions and smoke that he had heard and seen coming from the primary power station. It will take them years to build new transformers to replace the ones that were destroyed, one voice said. That means no gas can be made at the refineries and it won't take long for the food trucks to run out and stop delivering food. The hospitals here... The hospital here is running on generators, but that won't last long, and the people on life support will die, the other voice said. Yes, they hit us hard, the first voice said, and it will take years to get all of the systems back online, if ever, came the voice. Hearing that, Paul reached over and turned the radio off. I sure am glad we have a few solar panels and batteries in the barn, but some people won't have anything at all, and things are going to get ugly. I can believe I never saw I can't believe I never saw this coming, he thought to himself as he sat in his chair rubbing his face. 
I apologize for making the story so long, but I felt it was necessary to really get the point across that it could happen at any time, and the consequences would be far more reaching than just not having light. Most people don't have more than 72 hours worth of food in their pantry, if that much. When the food trucks stop running and law enforcement runs out of gas and stays home to take care of their families, things are going to get really ugly. The thin veneer of our society will fall away and the ugliness it conceals will pour out on an unsuspecting population. So what can you do both now and after it happens? Well, beside the normal food, water, and shelter, you need to invest in getting a few solar panels and batteries as well as a good power inverter for your home. Now, please don't make the mistake I have seen a lot of people make. They buy top-grade solar panels and batteries and then take an old extension cord with a cheap-ass converter and think they will be fine. That is not how it works, people. There is no better investment as far as power goes than to get good quality solar panels and batteries with a good regulator as well as a good power inverter. Each one is a link to in a chain, and if one fails, they all fail. Also remember that two is one and one is none. I would also suggest that you immediately go out and salvage any solar, salvage any solar panels and supplies you can from billboards and railroad crossings, but only ones you are sure that the power once but only once you are sure that the power is not coming back on. Build and put up a working wind generator and or a hydro generator now if you can. Stock up on batteries of all kinds and put them in your preps. In case you're wondering, as one reader did, no, those little portable solar panels that you see advertised will not generate enough power to run your home on. You need as many watts as you can afford to have. It's an investment that will pay off for sure. Take the time now to prepare for a situation where the power lines no longer work. Well, that's it for the top eight man-made scenarios that I feel could happen. I hope you have enjoyed the series, and if so, please comment, comment below, and maybe I will do more in the future. Until next time, my friend, stay safe, stay strong, and stay prepped. God bless America. And when it comes to solar panels, um, you, you've got to you. When it comes to alternative energy, right? Uh, if you if we're ever in a situation where that's all we're depending on. You have to understand that you are not going to live your life. You're not going to. There's no way you're going to have all the power that you normally are going to have. So un, unless you have invested thousands and thousands and thousands, I mean big thousands of dollars in battery uh, banks and solar panels, you're not going to have your refrigerator uh, unless you have a special one that's built for 12 volts. You're not going to have your AC. You're not going to have just TV whenever you want. You're going to have to be very, very selective. So um, I, I know that's hard to, to understand sometimes. Um, you know, with with uh, you know people making the the solar panels and even people who buy like the Gold Zero and things like that. You're not going to be running your your refrigerator and things like that. You're you're going to be saving those things for the most necessary uh, items, right? So uh, to run some lights, if you need some lights. You're going to be using that to recharge batteries, maybe uh, recharging, uh, maybe some power tools if you have that ability. I'm I'm not sure how much those suck out of uh, out of like you know uh, a solar system battery pack, but uh, if you can, you're going to be recharging those. You're going to be recharging rechargeable batteries for like your ham radios, your handheld radios, those kinds of things. Uh, but you know that unless you have a ton of money. 
uh, understand that that's not going to happen. And kind of like what Sarge uh, referred to here, at some point, something in the chain is going to fail, right? Uh, something is going to happen. Something's going to short out. Your batteries will eventually stop charging or stop holding as much of a charge. And so, you know, you'll run into that, to that situation. So uh, be thinking about that. Because you can have all the solar panels in the world, uh, you know, but you're not going to continue living your life the way you're living now. And that's hard for people to understand. So, but anyway, uh, this is one that, you know, kind of gets you thinking because it is very easy. Um, Sarge referred to a new firewall. Um, and so where the terrorist in his scenario had to be on site. Uh, I haven't heard that. If that is true, I don't know if he that's just part of his story or if that is a, a real situation where uh, here in America they have you know put everything behind a firewall. Um, I, I've, I've never heard that if that's the case. Maybe somebody can clear that up for me. But uh, again, that is one thing. You know, you remember that guy that was in California and he you know had lights go out for, for you know a big portion uh, of the population over there in I can't remember what city it was. But it was something as stupid as, I think it was a USB was plugged into the wrong place or it was a plug or something like that was plugged in incorrectly. And that caused things to you know get wonky and, and people didn't have uh, power over there. And so uh, you have that. You have uh, not too long ago, I don't know if, uh, if you're new to preparedness, you probably didn't hear this one. I did link to it. Uh, I think shtfplan.com had the article. But uh, the power grid, uh, I, I, again, I think it was in California, was attacked. And so there was people who knew what they were doing from really far away. Snipers were sniping at different parts of it and kind of, uh, you know, set it off. Um, now, luckily, there was replacement parts to be able to replace everything. But that's what was found is that people attacked the grid. And, uh, and that was just a small little isolated incident. But you think about it, if you do attack it on big scales all over the place, what that could do, um, you know, um, you could go to some of these big power plants and and, uh, you know, do a lot of damage, you know, without without even, you know, attacking the grid through a cyber attack. And so, you know, that's always the possibility there. Um, so something that we're always, always paying attention for. I mean, you can't be prepared for every single little thing, but, you know, you need to be thinking about what you would do. Uh, you know, in this case, it wasn't an EMP, uh, but, you know, what if you were in a situation where, okay, the lights went out and you would just think, hey, the lights went out for whatever reason, it's a brownout, whatever, and you go on to work and, you know, everything's kind of feels like it's normal, uh, but then you, you realize that everybody else doesn't have electricity either. It's like, you'd be thinking to yourself, you know, is this an EMP? Was this, is this just electricity out? What's going on? Uh, that's why you want to have the commu communication capabilities, right? Or at least um, a radio that can access uh, different uh, different channels so that you could get information uh, in in that scenario. So, good article. Uh, thanks, Sarge, for that one. Uh, again, that's AmericanPreppersOnline.com. There are um, comments in this one, and then also at the Prepper Journal, you're going to want to go there. Uh, and the Prepper Journal has a lot of links. Sarges doesn't have a lot of links, but he does have comments there where people are referring to uh, different things there. And uh, so go check those out. Um, gosh, man, just, you know, I think we had a, a great podcast today with all that information. Kind of gets you thinking for uh, midweek, right? Uh, kind of freaky a little bit. 
All right, guys, with uh, with that, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Again, all of those that are sending me, uh, giving me feedback, I really do appreciate that. It does mean a lot to me. Uh, thanks so much for that. And uh, then there's there's you know websites out there that are uh, sharing out my you know whenever I post something or whatever they're they're sharing that out and I really do appreciate that as well getting the word out there. Uh, if you get a chance, if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, if you'd go give a give us a review, I'd really appreciate that as well. So uh, with that, hit me up on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook if you can. Come over to the Facebook group and uh, leave a message. If you're in the Houston area, hey, and you're you're thinking about maybe you know if uh, we did a little meetup. You know, drop me a, a line too and let me know that, hey, yeah, I'd be interested in that. And maybe we'll get together like at a Spring Creek uh, barbecue or something like that uh, here in the uh, you know, beginning of July, possibly. All right, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.